we have a treat for y'all today, okay? Because we have not Jason or myself preaching to you today, but we have our wonderful, wonderful God-sent children's pastor here today. So if you could give a warm welcome to Travis Montoya. transition up and down the stairs is very awkward. <laughs> Woo! All right. Man, this is just weird because you guys are all taller than me. And it's over there, only half of them are taller than me. So that's pretty, that's pretty crazy, man. Oh, this is awesome. This is just, wow. Um, I mean, to, to be up here to, to be able to, to step into the, the same place that uh, you know, uh, that Jason and, and Tiffany and Bob, who sometimes plays drums, uh, <laughs> preach from, you know, is, a uh, it's awesome, but wow, the, uh, spit on anybody in the front row, so I apologize, um, but <laughs> man, that worship, that was just, let's just praise God for that worship, that was, when she, when she said that she could just go, I was like, I don't even need to talk, I'm like, this is, this really is uh, just awesome, this was just so, so powerful, I have not been in here for worship, for a while, and uh, man, that really just—you, you all, you all just so anointed. That was just—I mean, talk about uh, you know just praising God in the throne room and being able to to do that was just uh, man, that was just that was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, I will uh, <laughs> because I'm like I said, I'm used to, to talking to kids, so I will do my best to not say fart as much <laughs> when I'm up here. But uh, usually that helps me kind of get attention, get, you know, get them back on track, so, uh, you know, so I'll try not to do that too much uh, throughout the, throughout the teaching and all this, this morning. Uh, I am just, I, I, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm the for you to know, I'm children's pastor here. Uh, I've been here since uh, about August, and uh, man, it's just been transformative for my life just to be a part of this family and a part of this, uh, this group here, and, and really, like, Churches say family, but this is like I have never felt uh, a connection to to uh, a, a church that really felt like man, this is this is family. And I grew up in churches and, and everything, and uh, you know I've, I've been on staff at churches, and uh, this is like man, this is like the peace for me. Like I, I look forward to uh, to Sundays. I look forward to when we have our staff meeting, just coming and being a part because I'm like this is my family, and I missed you guys. Because we didn't, we didn't meet last week because it's Christmas, and so I was like, man, it was, it was weird. It was nice yeah. to just kind of like spend Sunday just, just hanging out and everything, but man, it was weird. I don't, I don't know. Does anybody else kind of feel it was a little weird, like kind of missing, missing people? Yeah. And then we didn't, uh, you know, and then uh, like Jason was saying, there were people who were sick, so we missed, uh, we missed our staff meetings, and just, it was like, man, I'm like, it's, it's hard when you're, when that, that disconnect comes, you know, when the Lord talks about that being connected to the body. It's it's it really is vital, and it's and it's more than just just Sunday because obviously we, there's times throughout there you know we have with a great ability to be able to text and to call and to connect with people, and it's so vital and important for us I think to to continue to to do that uh, you know just throughout throughout the weeks throughout the days and stuff. Uh, so if, I feel like uh, as we're as we're ending this year, uh, many people have mentioned that we've in the past past months weeks. Uh, years have been difficult for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people have gone through some some serious things. I know for me personally, the past several years have been just uh, a whirlwind of of chaos and uh, frustration and uh, a lot of anger and a lot of uh, a lot of pain, a lot of damage, a lot of destruction uh, to me personally. Uh, you know, uh, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, and, and even spiritually. And there were times where I I've spent uh, I spent more time uh, arguing with God than I did praising Him. More times questioning what He was doing than trusting Him. And and through that, I feel like God uh, spoke to me uh, on this issue uh, about a month or so ago um, about uh, scars. So uh, that's why I really feel like God has put in my heart just talking about this, about scar tissue. Uh, so I'm just going to pray, and then uh, and I'll get into some of this teaching here. So... Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you for, for this body. Thank you for City Point, Lord God. Thank you for each and every heart that is here today, Lord God. I pray that you, you speak 
to them, Lord God, that your words be so strong, so powerful, Lord God, that I, I want to step out of the way, Lord God. Just, just use me however you need, Lord, but just bless everybody here, everybody who's here, everybody who's able to listen to this later on, Lord God. Uh, I just pray, Father God, that it should be just an impactful night, Lord. We just pray that as we end 2023, Lord God, that we end it excited to go on to 2024, knowing, Lord God, that you are going to change and you're going to make transformation possible for everybody who's seeking it and, and desires it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I brought my old man glasses up because I think I, I think I might need them. So I hate this. I hate this, man. I was, I've been, uh, I've been plagued with bad eyesight like my entire life, and I, you know, farsight or nearsightedness. And then I, you know, one day I went to look at something like a year or so ago, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, without my glasses, I couldn't see anything further than this, and now without these glasses, I can't see anything closer than this. So it's like. There's no wind, so. Uh, so just just want to give you guys kind of a brief a brief history about about me. Uh, I uh, I started out life very young. I started out uh, as a child, and uh, I was a wild boy. I was very rambunctious. I was uh, I was very uh, much of a risk taker. I was uh, I was an adventurous little booger eating, <laughs> jumping off of trees, trying to jump my bike on a ramp type of wild boy. Anything I could pick up was a gun, a weapon of any sort. And, uh, and that's kind of how I lived my life as a child. And because of that, I spent a lot of time injured. I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Uh, now, I, I look back and I'm like, eh, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, every year, once or twice maybe, you know, it's not like I had my own wing at the hospital like my parents would joke about, but I did, I did spend probably more time in the hospital than any other kid around my age. And a lot of it was due to, you know, stupid things that, that I would do. So, for instance, I had never done a cartwheel in my entire life. But at the age of around eight, we, I was leaving soccer practice, and I decided I'm going to do a one-handed cartwheel. Because I can do it. Nothing's going to stop me. Well, I kind of did it. However, I know that when I placed my hand, that the back here, this like forearm area, is not supposed to touch the back of your hand when you do it. As I did this, I felt this happen. And I instantly knew, because at eight years old, I was Doogie Hauser, so I knew that I had broken my wrist. And I went to the car and my mom, my mom was like, what happened? And my soccer coach said, oh, we were, we were goofing around, and he did a cartwheel. And so he said I did a cartwheel, so I did it. I think I landed it, either <laughs> broken wrist or not, I landed it. So, I, so the coach said, what happened? And she's like, well, do you need to go to the doctor? And I said, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. There's no problem at all. I'm fine. And so for the next two weeks, I did everything possible to make sure, and, it, and I'm, it was my right hand, and I'm right-handed. I did everything possible to baby that thing. I did not let, I did not bang it against anything. I tried my best to just write gently in school, not use it at all. Uh, and we were playing kickball in gym, and the ball came, and instinctively, I just reached out to try and catch the ball, hit the wrist, snapped it back. My gym teacher's like, that looks broken. <laughs> That's, your wrist should not flop back and forth like that. And uh, called my mom. So my mom's like, okay, we got to go, you know, we got to take him to the hospital. Took, took me to the hospital, found out, sure enough, it was broken. It had initially been broken, but aside from the whole gym incident, I had done such a good job of kind of hiding it and protecting it that it was starting to heal. So they said, well, it's too late to put a cast or anything on it. We'll just put a little, you know, sprain splint thing, and you're fine. And it healed, and, you know, it works okay, I guess, you know. <laughs> It's fine. I mean, it's like almost 40 years later, and I don't have any problems with it. So, uh, you know. But here's, here's the thing. It's like, okay, so I didn't want to go to the hospital, not because I, wasn't, I was scared of the doctor or anything like that. I didn't want to go because the year prior, I had had a very serious accident where I was in the carport at my parents' house, and my dad had these ladders that were up in the rafters of the carport, and we used them as crossbars. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, for the, the kids in here, please don't try any of this stuff at all. Because And you'll hear why not to try any of this stuff. So, you know, we, didn't, we couldn't reach him 
you know, just regularly because we were, you know, short of stature. I was very short of stature. So we had trash cans that were turned upside down that we stood on and we would climb the crossbars. Well, just going across them wasn't enough excitement. We started to jump and see who could jump and reach the furthest one. Well, my friend who was a year older than me, he reached, he jumped like the fourth or fifth one and I was not to be outdone. So I jumped the seventh one and I grabbed it. However, my body did not want to hold on to it. Gravity came into place, and I fell face first onto the concrete slab. I woke up. That's not why my face is this way. That, I, I, woke up, I woke up briefly in an ambulance, and then I remember being at the hospital for a little bit and some tests and everything. I don't remember a whole lot of what happened, but I do recall this. I recall that my parents didn't have insurance at the time. And so like, the kid's like, oh, man, I know. And so I recall the most painful thing about that was going with my mom each week to the, the, the medical admin area at the hospital and talking to them, overhearing her talk to them about what they could afford to pay each week to pay for this. So that flash forward now to the year later when I broke my wrist, that was my mindset is that it, was not, it wasn't that, oh, I don't want to go to the hospital. It was that we didn't have insurance last time. I'm not going to make my parents go through this again. I'm just going to hold on to this because, you know, what, what happened was my fault. I need to take care of this. It's not a burden for my parents. As an eight-, nine-year-old kid, this is, not, this is not something that should be normally happening, but this was, this was my thought process. So as much as I could hide that wrist from my parents, you know, I didn't hide it from God. I didn't hide it. You know, God knew. He knew about that injury. He knew before. He knew before that was going to happen that it was going to happen. You know, he knew that, you know, I was going to do something stupid and, and, you know, break my wrist. He knew that I was going to do something stupid. A lot of this is something stupid. It's something stupid, and I was going to, you know, fall off the carport. He also knew that a year after that, that broken wrist, on Christmas Day night, that I would go to sleep. And I would wake up in the hospital again. And this time, yeah, it gets good. And this time, I woke up completely unaware of what was going on, strapped to a hospital bed with people running around doing tests on me and everything. Apparently, as I, as I fell asleep, something triggered, and I had several grand mal seizures. I woke up in the hospital. I was, they had these boards on me to keep me from moving around, and I was just snapping them, breaking them left and right, and freaking out, you know, trying to get out of there, screaming and yelling, because there's strangers around. My parents aren't around. I have no idea. I fell asleep on the floor in my house. I woke up in the hospital. So now, I don't know what's going on. They do tests, and they find out that I have epilepsy. This epilepsy was caused because of the brain trauma from me falling off the carport a year prior. So in that year time, Somehow, this developed. And so now here I was in the hospital yet again for with like the fourth time in three years or something like that. Absolutely ridiculous. And I think about that, and I think about the fact that, again, God knew. God had this planned. Not planned. It wasn't like God was sitting there going, I'm going to have him fall here. But God had plans based on my actions, knowing what was going to happen. Nothing was hidden from him. There was nothing that I could do to hide it. There was nothing I could do to have, you know, uh, aside from making better choices, you know. There was nothing I could do to, to change that situation. But I, I looked at this scripture here. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. Everything is clear and lies open before him. And to him, we must explain the way we have lived. Now, a lot of times we look at that and you can say, well, that's kind of, that's kind of rough. Like, because you're looking at it and you're like, you know, he's talking about our yuck, about our sin, about the bad things. You know, we can't, we can't hide that stuff from him. But I also look at it this way, too, that it means that anything that we keep hidden that isn't sin, well, he'll also know that and kind of call us on. So we can hide our woundedness. We can hide our sadness. We can hide our depression. We can do a great job of hiding that from our friends and our family and people around us. But no matter what, we can never hide all that from God. And we look at uh, Psalm 56, 8, it says, You've kept track of every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Each tear entered in your ledger, 
each ache written in your book. I mean, every toss and turn, every, I mean, it says in there, you know, every hair is numbered. You know, it says that he, I mean, for him to be so meticulous to know about that and to know about every toss and turn, every tear, every sleepless night. How, how many people here have ever, ever had a sleepless night? Come on, man, yeah. I've had, I've had more sleepless nights just this year alone probably than, you know, anybody who's, who's had a child, any parents in here, you know about sleepless nights. Oh, my gosh, you don't get them. From birth till, that's it. There's nothing after after birth. You don't get sleepful nights anymore, you know. So, so those of you looking to have a baby, you know, just, just be prepared. Get in all the sleep you can now. It'll never happen again. Uh, another translation of that says, you know, I'm, I like this one because this is kind of how I, I speak to God. You know I'm very upset. You know, come on, God, you know. You know I'm ticked right now. You know how much I've cried. Surely, surely you have kept an account of my tears. God, you know me. You know what I've been through. You know my pain. He knows our pain. He knows our suffering. He knows how we've been hurt. Who hurt us? How deeply we were hurt. And it's further expressed even through the, the prophet Isaiah here in 43.2. Isaiah 43.2 says, when you have troubles, I am with you. When you cross rivers, you will not be hurt. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not hurt you. Not only does he know, but he knew. He knew about that. He knew that I was going to develop this epilepsy from that brain trauma. He knew I was going to do that. I was going to go through it. I was going to suffer that. <clears throat> I had that where I was on medication, and I had, had to deal with seizures and had seizures in school, which as a, as a uh, teenager, junior high, wow. That's, if, if you're looking to, to rate yourself on the popularity scale, having a, a seizure in the middle of gym class in seventh grade really doesn't pull you up any notches, you know. So I, I had to deal with a lot, a lot of that stuff, and God knew beforehand, and he prepared me. He prepared my family for it. I mean, we ended up having great doctors and, and uh, you know, the medication that they, they gave me. And, you know, there were people who would say, you know, it's once you have it, you have it. That's, that's it. You know, I, I knew people who they had epilepsy that they all up into their, uh, through their adult lives and all. Um, I have not had a seizure in over 35 years. And I praise God. I praise God for that. And it is, it, is, it is insane because as the level that it was, you know, people, people said, doctors said, they're like, this is, this is just a lifestyle. You're going to have to deal with this. But it wasn't. And my family believed it. And I remember we did this thing at church where we were writing on rocks for New Year's, things that we were grateful for that year. And I wasn't, I was still on medication, but I wrote, I wrote in there, healed of epilepsy. And I, and I remember, I don't know what we did with those rocks and everything, but I believed it. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, by, at 16, I was no longer on medication. And now, you know, 47 years old, I'm, like I said, no seizures. And I'm, and I'm thankful. And I got, to, I got to do a job where I got hit in the head a lot, yeah. you know, <laughs> not intentionally. I'll get to that. So, because, uh, because, you know, like those injuries as a kid, that was one thing. I, you would think as I grew up, I would learn from these things. And I would change because that's what happens, right? You, just, you learn from that. Well, I did. I learned. I learned how to fall. I learned how to jump off of things. I learned how to do all that stuff properly. I became a stuntman. Yeah. I, was a, I was a professional stuntman for 15 years. And I had very, very few injuries yeah. that were, I mean, like, in that 15 years of putting my, my life in harm's way, I had way less injuries than just like those four years as a child <laughs> doing the exact same thing for no pay. It was just for the glory at the, as a child. But as I, became, as I became an adult, you know, I learned how to do these things properly. One of the things I learned how to do was a zip line, which I don't know if you guys have ever done zip lining before. I know there's some places here that are doing stuff. This was awesome. This was like my favorite thing, to just, just grab onto this, this little handle and just fly across stuff. First time I did this professionally, was over like like a 50 foot across this uh, across the center of this theme park that I worked at. First time I ever did it as an amateur was at uh, at the age of um, 10. 
when my grandfather built a zip line in the backyard of their house from the tree to the porch. Now, there was a basket that he put it on, so you could sit in this basket and slide down. It was awesome. It was pretty safe. But there was also the option of grabbing the handle and sliding down like you were a spy. And as a child, that was the only option for me. So I'm up there. We would get in the tree. We'd grab it, and we'd slide down. I had a cousin who was three years older than me. And we were hanging out, and he was like, let's do this thing where we're like the building is exploding. And we're going to jump out, and you grab onto my back and slide down. And I'm like, absolutely, yes, let's do this. So I jumped on his back, and we slid down, and it was awesome. And then the next day, my younger cousin was there. I'm the older cousin now. And I say, hey, let's play this game where the building is going to explode, and we're going to jump down, jump on the zip line and slide down. He says, absolutely. The problem was, yes, I was three years older than him, but I was a very small child, and I was the same exact size and build as him. And I had very tiny little arms that were not very strong. So I grabbed onto the bar, and he jumped on my back, and we jumped off of the tree and immediately fell. Gravity, I've learned a lot about. When we hit, I busted my chin open. Yes. And he broke his ankle. Yes. This right here, I was going to actually just take pictures of my scars and show you guys, but I'm like, I'm going to show you in person because that's just much better. It's less gross. So you can't see it because it's under my chin, and that's where I grow my, my beard. But I have, a, I have a scar there from my split, from, from falling on the, on the ground. I have a scar on my nose from when I worked at the theme park, and I was practicing with a bullwhip. And I went to crack the bullwhip, and this couple walked out in front of me. I'm not sure if you're familiar with how a bullwhip works and what makes that crack sound. What actually makes that crack sound is the end of the, the bullwhip is traveling one direction, immediately switches another direction, and travels at double the speed of sound. You can Google this if you want. I didn't have to because I felt it. I went to snap it. Right when I went to snap it, these people walked up in front of me, so I pulled it back real quick. It came back, hit me across the face, busted my nose open, put a giant hole in it. This was before gauges were around, so I couldn't just stick something in there. Busted it, put a big hole in my nose, but also because it travels so fast, it cauterized the wound. So I couldn't just have go to urgent care or whatever and have them sew it up. I had to go to the emergency room and have a, they had a plastic surgeon. Thankfully, there was actually a plastic surgeon, was the surgeon on call, came, fixed my nose. It's a little scar considering the fact that basically there was a uh, quarter size hole in the side of my nose. So that's another scar that I have. I have a scar on my wrist right here. And I'm I'll tell you why I'm telling you about all my scars, all right? I have a scar right here on my wrist from a car accident that I was in when I was 21 years old. I know for those of you who have heard the fact that I've been in car accidents before are shocked to find out that I've been in, I was in a car accident where my vehicle rolled over yet again. Three times in my life that I've had this happen. This time, though, it flipped landed and rolled out into the desert and every single part of the vehicle was crushed completely crushed except for where I sat absolutely amazing absolute God's protection the only thing that happened was something cut my cut my wrist severed the tendon so I have like limited mobility which is good though because the one finger that doesn't really work as well as the middle one so you know <laughs> that's probably for the best <laughs> but it's true but this happened this happened because of stupidity, because yet again, I drove angry. I drove upset. So, okay, so why am I telling you guys about all these, these things about scars? Because all those things have healed. All of those scars are all healed. And that is one thing that we can all agree about. Hey, who, who here has had any scars? Anybody ever had surgery or cut your hand open or, you know? falling out of a burning building with your cousin on your back or anything like that? No? So, we've all, we've all had, had that type of stuff. We've all have, have scars and everything. And the great thing about that is that, that scar shows that we, have, that we have been healed, that we've been, that we've been kind of made new, been restored in that. I actually have some, some, uh, some facts about scars here. So the first one is that a scar is the natural outcome of the body's normal healing process as it works to repair the skin or another of its organs. 
After a wound, burn, or injury, the first thing the body does is bleed. I think we all know that. That's almost not necessary to put in there. The second thing the body does is form a blood clot. The very top layers of the clot dry out and harden to form a scab, which protects the wound from additional disturbances. Everybody loves the look of scabs, don't they? Isn't it great? Oh, man, you got scabs in you. It's wonderful. But you look at the fact that it's a healing process. And it protects the wound. The very top layers of the clot dry out and harden to form a scab, which protects the wound, protects the wound from additional disturbances. Protected from the external world, the lower portion of the clot becomes host to cells called fibroblasts, which, whose job is, part, is to replace the scab with scar tissue. So there's a process of it. When you're injured, there's a process of things for that healing. It doesn't just happen instantaneously. An open wound leaves the body susceptible to all sorts of problems, from intense pain to infection. So rather than slowly build skin the usual way, scars are the work of the body's rapid response team. To repair damage that goes deeper than the first layer, your body makes a tissue that's thicker than your skin. Did you ever notice that? If you have like a scar and you kind of feel it, it you can feel it's almost, it, it is almost like hard in comparison to the rest of your skin. It's thicker. It's a pr- more of a protection in that area so that area doesn't get injured the same way again. A scar is the body's natural way of healing and replacing lost or damaged skin. All right. So when I talk about scars, it's, it's not just our physical scars. Most of us have scars that nobody sees. We, we have emotional scars. We have, uh, we, we have mental scars. We have, uh, we have, a lot of people have spiritual scars. We talked about that a while back. We talked about the, uh, about church hurt. People have gone through church hurt. And there's scars from that, wounds from that. Everybody has been wounded, you know, by, by people that you, that you love, people that you care about. My goodness, you, can, you, can't, you can't go on, online without finding some way to be wounded. You know, people are going to, they're going to throw verbal darts at you left and right. You know, you, you don't believe exactly as them and it's going to happen. And that's, that's, that's the world that we have to live in. So we have to understand that if we're affected, if we're going to be wounded by that, we have to be ready to receive what comes after the wound. So what comes after our woundedness? Well, we talked about the physical aspect of it, that, you know, the blood's going to come in there and it's going to, you know, create a clot and it's going to cover it up and everything. So what happens in our woundedness if somebody says something about us? Let's say somebody says something about your spouse. And that, I mean, if you're married, if you've been married, you understand. Saying something about you is one thing. Saying something about your spouse or your kids, whoa. Yeah, that's not, I mean, like you're, I, I can love you like Jesus, but I can, I can, I can beat you like somebody else. That's, that's for sure. You know, I, it's. It's true. It's true. You, and the, you know, we, we need to love our families like that. We need to love our, our, our spouses and our children to the point that we, we go to battle for them. Now, that doesn't mean that you believe everything that your kids say because, let's be honest, some of these kids nowadays, you know, mine my, my in particular even, I understand. Like, I'm, I know it's not a fully developed uh, frontal lobe issue. But sometimes I'm like, did I pass on some sort of traumatic brain injury to him? Because the things he comes up with, I don't know. I don't know if that's genetic or not. But, I mean, it's, it makes you wonder. Sometimes with the kid, I love my son. I'm glad he's not here to hear that. So, <laughs> but we have, this, we have this woundedness. We have these wounds that come up. And we need to be able to, to allow that healing. You know, now if you're, if you're cut and it starts to scab up and you just keep scraping that scab off and keep scraping that scab off, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to possibly lead to infection. It's going to possibly lead to, you know, where stuff gets in there. And then there's more that has to happen there. You know, they got to cut into it. You might have to have surgery. You're going to have a much worse scar than you ever would have been just because just of this little, little cut or something. But we're very adamant about trying to protect things ourselves, trying to make sure that our woundedness is only known to us, you know, that we, we don't let that be seen, you know. And, and we, when we start hiding that, the thing is, like I said before, God, God knows it regardless of what we say, regardless of what we try to do. God knows 
it's, it's other people that we're so concerned about. We're so concerned that somebody else is going to see our woundedness. They're going to see that we were vulnerable at some point, that we got hurt. And the problem is we're looking at it completely wrong. If we're so focused on people looking at our scars because we think they're going to see us as imperfect, we've seen it the completely wrong way because the truth is when, we, when people look at our scars, if we, we're able to, to be free and open and show people our woundedness, they can see those scars as healing. We give honor to God because we're like, look, I was hurt by what somebody said. I was hurt by what somebody did to me, but I am healed because of it. I allowed the Lord to heal me. I didn't just come here and go, oh, I've been cut deeply because of something that my brother or my sister said to me. I've been cut so deep that I'm just going to hold on to it. Because what happens is when we don't allow that, it's just a gaping wound. I think, I, I think it actually might have been uh, Jason or Tiffany like a while back said, said that uh, if you don't allow yourself to heal, then you're just going to bleed on other people. And that's what happened. You're going to bleed on the people that didn't hurt you. That's what it was. If you don't allow yourself to heal, you're going to bleed on people that didn't hurt you. And that's what we do. We're so focused on not letting people see that we're healed. We don't allow ourselves to be healed. We're like, just, we're like look, God, I don't, I don't need that. I'm just going to hold on to it. It's so much easier to just deal with this open, gaping wound with the pus and the blood and all the gross stuff seeping out. It's just so much easier to do that than just allow you to heal, allow you to scab it over, allow you to put a scar out there. Why? Because we, we've got this mindset that our scars are ugly, that our scars make us look so imperfect, so weak, so lost, so nothing. And that's not at all what it is. Our scars aren't in any way about that. Our scars are about what God has done, about that healing that he has provided us. I got some more scripture here for you because I don't want to just talk. I want to I want to let the word speak. You got uh, Psalm 147.3. He heals those who have broken hearts. He takes care of their wounds. <clears throat> it's our woundedness. And our woundedness can hold us back so much from what God has for us. For a long time, I allowed the woundedness of what people said to hold me back from doing this. I was, I was a children's pastor at, at three different churches, and it didn't work out. And I'm like, man, I'm like, all right, I am probably not made for this. This is probably not my calling. And to have people say things about me from it, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to not do anything like that. I didn't even want to help out in ministry. I wanted to just go to church, hide, and go home. I didn't want to be, and I knew, I knew going to church was a part of my relationship with the Lord, you know, and reading and, and worshiping and, and praying, but I didn't want to connect with people because I didn't want that hurt again. I didn't, I didn't allow that woundedness to heal. And when I, when I did, when I finally got to somewhere where people were like, hey, you know what? I got some scars too. Look, look at this scar. Look, look how God healed me on this thing. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Because, see, I thought that the pastors had no scars. I thought, I thought pastors were, like, perfect. You know, that's because that's how they presented themselves, you know, to me. Is that they, you know, their problems were not my problems. My problems were definitely not their problems. And so I held on to that woundedness, and I said, well, I'm, I don't need to go to, I don't need to go be a part of a church. I'll go, but I'm not, I'm not helping. I, I'll go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to lead. I'm not going to teach, because that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not good at that. These are those wounds that I'm carrying with me. And I got, I got to a place where some great people helped help heal me, help bring that healing, help Help those, those gaping wounds to close up. Help the scars to form. And then I was, what's the word, dismissed from the hospital? Was it when they kick you out? Discharge. That's it. Thank you. You know. Yeah. See, I got to talk to my medical people here. Yeah. That was discharged from that, from that body. And it wasn't in a negative way because once you, once you start to heal, 
you got to go out. You can't just sit there and go, okay, I'm healed. So now I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang here. But no, you got to, you got to take those scars and you got to show them off. And you got to go help other people because there's other people with gaping wounds. Those same wounds, that same hurt from, oh, my brother or my sister did this to me. You know, the same wound from my mom and dad said I was never going to amount to anything. The same wound from my parent just took off and left me. That same wound from I felt so betrayed by somebody that I love that I almost ended it. Those wounds that you're holding on to, if we're allowed to just let those heal, let those wounds heal, let those scars come about, then you can go out and you can help other people who've gone through that. Like I said, the last three years of my life have been horrible. My, my marriage was done. My son was taken, taken away from me. My, my job was gone. I was, like, I was like living where I'm like, okay, I think every week I'm like, I'm pretty close to having to be, you know, almost 50 years old and go try and live back with my parents because I can't, I, I can't afford to live anything. You know, I can't afford to, to survive. And every, every single penny I could save was to try and spend, spend time with my son flying out, out to New York to spend time with him and just praying, God, bring him back, bring him back, and not seeing anything happening. And, man, it was rough. And I felt, I felt stuff that I thought was healed, I felt that stuff start opening again. And I'm like, God, you didn't heal me. And, and God was like, no, you didn't allow me to heal you. You wanted to keep that wound open. You wanted to still feel this pain. For some reason, we like that. We like to just sit there and go, I'm just going to be so upset. Why, why are there so many sad songs? These music you love when you're depressed, nobody listens to, to happy music. You know, you don't listen to that stuff. You just want to listen to, he left me and he ain't never coming back. Why you go away? I don't know if those are real songs, but they're probably country if they are. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what we do is we, we, want, we want to sit there in that pain. It's okay to grieve. We absolutely have to grieve. But we can't live in grief. When somebody passes away, we don't hang out in the mortuary the whole time. In the, in the morgue, we don't hang out there. We don't hang out at the gravesite all day and night. That's not what we do. We move on. When, we're, when we have a woundedness, when we have something in our lives that brings us pain, we get that healing and we move on. We have no choice but to move on. Now, why does it have to be a scar? Leviticus 13.28 says, If the irritated area does not spread but is faded, it is only a sore caused by the burn. The priest must declare him clean because it is a scar caused by the burn. So this injury, this is talking about like, you know, like the different skin diseases and all this. So if you want to read all that exciting, fun stuff about skin diseases, and it's all in Leviticus, read it. Go ahead. If, if you want. It's a fun read. It's a hard read, but it's a fun read. But this part really just came out to me because it's like, how does the priest see that somebody's healed, that somebody's clean? Because they have a scar. That wound, it caused a scar. But I don't want people to see that I'm wounded. I, wanna, I don't want to give God glory for his healing on me. I don't want people to know that I'm imperfect. We always forget about the but God in that. I was hurt by what was said, but God. I was treated poorly by somebody, but God. I was mentally abused, physically abused, sexually abused, but God. I almost ended my life, but God. So the scars that we carry, are the scars a sign of failure or are they a sign of victory? I, I say that we look to Jesus and see how did he carry his scars. Were his scars failure or victory? I mean, he's our ultimate model. That's who we go after. That's who we, we aspire to be like. So do we want to claim victory or failure because of our woundedness? I don't know uh, anybody in here maybe who has ever heard of the band Striper. <laughs> Thank you, Tiffany, for that. <laughs> I know. If you... If you were a Christian kid in the 80s, that was the only band your family would let you listen to. That was, that was it. They were the hair band, glam rock answer, you know, Christian answer to Motley Crue and all that. They were, the, they were the first Christian music band to be featured on MTV. MTV used to show music videos, if anybody knew, didn't know that. So, 
But Striper, if if you ever saw any of their merchandise, their their albums, you know, the the, the vinyl albums, cassettes, anything like that, they always had this scripture on there, Isaiah fifty three five, which was just it was just cool because. You know, it, it, you saw it and you're like, oh, I want to know what that scripture is. This is before the internet, so you couldn't just Google it. You had to actually get a Bible and find this scripture. And so it says, this is the King James Version, because this is what, where they got this from. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Yeah, and, that's, and that's where they got their name Striper, because with his stripes, we are healed. With his woundedness, we are healed. Because of his scars. We are healed. I found this translation, the, the message though, which I'm just like, this to me was like, this is bam, this is good. <clears throat> it says, we looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we got healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. All of our all of our bad, all of our yuck, all of our crud was all put on him and turned in to heal him. It went from woundedness, from the beatings that he took, it went to these scars of healing. Now, like I said, I got hit in the face with a whip one time. One time is all it took for me to go, that ain't never happening again. I will do whatever to make sure that doesn't happen. And Jesus, I, was it 40 lashes? 39, that's right, 39 with the cat of nine tails, yes. 30 lashes on, on his back with that. And my whip did not have chunks of bone and glass and stuff stuck in it. It was just a regular whip. That one did, and it ripped at his skin. <clears throat> this was the abuse that he took. This is the woundedness that he took in our place, and then it became healing. In First Peter it says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross. He did this so that we would stop living for our sin and start living for what is right. And we are healed. Say that with me. We are healed. That's right. More than three people. Say it with me. We are healed. Because of his wounds. We are healed because of his wounds. Jesus' wounds brought upon our healing. Because what he went through, we can be healed. I believe that Jesus showed us what that healing would look like because after he died and came back, he had scars. Now, scars usually take about 12 to 18 months, but Jesus is a quick healer. So, you know, three days in and out, and he had scars. Now, they never, they never talk about if he showed scars on his back or anything like that. I can imagine if those scars, what they look like, just massive. I mean... The description of what someone who was whipped and beaten, flogged, looked like is just that their body became like, you know, ground beef and stuff. So I can imagine what his back would look like with that, that you know, that healing. But he does talk about the showing of the scars on his, on his hands and his feet. In Luke, it says, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself suddenly stood among them and said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing his spirit. And he said, why are you troubled? And why are doubts rising in your hearts? Look at the marks in my hands and my feet and see that it is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And after saying this, he showed them his hands and his feet. In John, it says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. So I look at this, there's, there's, couple reasons why he showed them the scars one obviously to be like look it's me nobody else is going to have these scars in their their wrists and their feet and their hands you know on their side nobody else is going to have that but also look how they've healed you see the healing i was wounded but i'm now healed 
just as you can be, just as you will be. There's a, there's a song by Casting Crowns called Scars in Heaven, which I think is pretty cool because it says, uh, the only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken, and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. I think a lot of times people will think that, you know, well, Jesus had scars when he was here on earth to show that healing and everything. But when he's up in heaven, he's in some perfection. I don't know. I think. I think that Jesus has the scars up there as well. And I think the Bible even expresses that. Like in this, in Revelation, you know, one of John's visions here, Revelation 5, it says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. The scroll had writing on both sides. It was sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel calling out in a loud voice. He said, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll. No one could even look inside it. I cried and cried. That's because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has won the battle. He is the root of David. He is able to break the seven seals and open the scroll. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if he had been put to death. A different translation says, the lamb looked like he had been slaughtered. So to me, I hear that, and I'm like, that, you can see someone that's battle-tested, somebody who has scars. And I think that's, that's the vision I get of, of Jesus. There, like, he is, he's a warrior. He took that beating, and you can see it. And I think that that's something that God has that shows us that, look, you too can be healed. I mean, Jesus came to, to show us that everything that he does, we can do. Everything that he, he was, we could be. Just by following him, by doing what he's, he's called us to do, by fulfilling that, by receiving that healing, by letting those scars come upon us, that's what he's asked us to do. And that's what he shows us, even that vision. He's like, look, here's the lamb who's beaten down. He is whooped, but not really. He just looks like it because he is the only one worthy. The only one worthy. We have this common misconception that our scars are what need to be healed when, in fact, Jesus shows us that our scars are what has been healed. So, for, all right. So, so, we, so we have this common misconception that our scars need to be healed when, in fact, Jesus shows us that scars are what has been healed. And through that, we need to find that restoration come to believe that restoration means that uh, we're healed in a way that it never looks like we were wounded. But through this, we see that it shows that we've been healed of those wounds. That's what's been transformed. That's what's been changed, those wounds. Galatians says this, says, so do not give me any more trouble. I have scars on my body. These show I belong to Christ Jesus. This is Paul and he's like, look, I've been through it. I've overcome. I've had victory. And how do you know? How do you see? By the scars. I've been healed. I may have been cut, but it's been repaired. I may have been beaten, but it's been made whole. Whether it's physical or emotional, mental or spiritual, there is not one wound that the enemy can throw at us, whether it be thrown at us through somebody we don't know or somebody closer to us than anybody else. Because those wounds end up being the most painful and the most difficult ones to get by. You're wounded by a parent. You're wounded by a child. You're wounded by a friend. You're wounded by a pastor. You're wounded by your spouse. Man, those wounds are hard to get words, those things that they said, the way that they acted, it could be years before we're allowing that wound to even be thought of to be healed. But we can't find that restoration if we keep walking around with these wounds, these open, gaping wounds. Isaiah says, do not remember the things that have happened before. Do not think about the things 
of the past. See, I will do a new thing. It will begin happening now. One last scripture here from Revelation says, The one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Everything new. Write this. These words are faithful and true. Everything. That's why I say to the kids, I say, is there, any, is there anything that's, that's not everything? If there was, it would be nothing. So everything be made new. I wish I, I, wish I had uh, musical ability because music speaks to me so much. There's just pieces of music, lyrics, things like that, just so powerful. This one, I used to, this used to be like kind of part of my pump-up song when I started teaching. It's from a, a band called Love Riot and this uh, song called Destroy. And it's more of almost like a spoken word in it and uh, as opposed to just kind of singing. But it says, this lyric says, So he himself stepped in to save us with his long arm and justice to sustain him. He put on righteousness as armor, salvation his helmet. He clothed himself with the role of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He slipped out of the royal garments, left eternity to enter time, divinity to wrap himself in humanity. The sea of glass, the ocean of separation, he left peace and for the first time felt pain. Because the very hands that held the stars were now sentenced to wear my stars. So this is my prayer for you guys tonight, is let the Lord give you scars. Let him bring that healing. Let those scars be a testament to others of his love and grace and his power in your life. Don't be afraid to show those scars that no one sees. Let the Lord's healing bring healing to others through those scars. As, as Jason said earlier, like this is, you know, really feeling that there's going to be some people set free and healing and stuff tonight. So we're going to have a prayer team up here. And if you feel like there's some wounds that you need healing from, I encourage you to come up and get prayer. Let us pray for you. If, if you don't feel comfortable coming up and, and letting us pray for you, find somebody you do feel comfortable with that loves the Lord, that will pray for you, and that will stand by you, and that will help that scar come about. Because I'm telling you, the things that I've been through, the only thing I can say about the scars that I have from them is it's going to help other people with their woundedness because that's it's got to be. I heard a pastor say one time that he stopped asking why because he felt like God said, for my glory. No matter what the question was or the situation, why, the answer was always for my glory. So let's pray.